Well, my friends, Christmas season is upon us. And my, my oldest son, Silas, he absolutely loves the Christmas season. In fact, he's the one who probably brings the most joy into our household once this season hits. In fact, he loves this season so much, as soon as, as, soon as the trick-or-treating time is over, when the candy's brought in the house, he runs to the radio to turn on the Christmas music. He cannot wait for the Christmas season to begin. And this year he was really throwing off his rockers because if you remember, the weather kind of messed up the trick-or-treating nights. And so he had to wait a couple more days and he was just a little bummed about that. But he definitely brings the Christmas cheer into our home. And when I was a kid, I think a lot about my tradition that I had growing up. And in my time as a child, during Christmas season, there were just certain movies that I had to watch. It just wasn't Christmas if I didn't watch these movies. When I was younger, the movie I always had to watch was A Christmas Story with good old Ralphie. And, and you're going to shoot your eye out. I would have watched that numerous times every Christmas season. And then when I got over, I just fell in love with the Griswolds and the Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And that moment when Clark Griswold finally gets the house lights on. It was like, hallelujah. I mean, what a great moment. And then he turns around and there's Cousin Eddie who just changed the whole appearance. You know, we cannot forget classics like The Grinch when his heart grew three sizes that day. And of course, the newer classic is Elf who said, I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. But you know, if you're like me, you watch these movies and so often we just get taken away to a seasonal dream of a truly happy place. But what do we do when we just have a hard time smiling? What do we do in those moments when it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, yet I just feel so miserable? How am I supposed to get through each day? You see, it seems so often in this time period that everyone around us is in this cheerful mood, playing these happy songs, watching these weird Hallmark movies, and you just think, how can I be so cheerful? Why is everybody so happy? What's wrong with me? Why am I so miserable? Because all their cheering does is magnify the weariness and despair that is in my own heart. Have you been there? Or better yet, are you there? Of brokenness and despair and the moment of cheerfulness? You know, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the hope was born and what the season is all about. Next weekend, the title is Meeting Our Hopes and Fears with the big idea that Jesus shows up when we are all full of fear. And on Christmas services that I hope you attend and bring some people along with you, the, the title for Christmas services is Hope Has a Name. And the big idea is Jesus shows up and helps us to win forever. And, you know, Christmas is supposed to be the happiest of time of the year. But is it? Is it really the happiest time of the year? You know, the song that we just sang together was a great Christmas carol, O Holy Night. And there's a phrase in that carol that says, The thrill 
of hope. The weary world rejoices. And I have just been really wrestling with that one line in preparation for this weekend. You know, the weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope. Let's be honest. What in the world is the thrill of hope? Because in this season, so often, how many times it's like, I just am not thrilled. I don't have hope. But there's the thrill of hope. What does that mean? You know, kind of like makes me think of a thrill ride, a roller coaster. You know, not too long ago, my, in, my, in the Baobach household, we exchanged Netflix for Disney Plus. Best move ever. Love it. And one of the shows my son and I really have enjoyed watching is Imagineering. It's a documentary about Walt Disney and more specifically about the development of Disneyland and Disney World. And I'm just fascinated with how they took nothing and created it into something spectacular and what it is today. And at one point in their journey of this development, they realized something. They realized as a leadership, they said, We are doing a great job at connecting with the young kids. But when they become teenagers, we're losing them. We need to figure out a way to still connect with the teenagers and still get them interested to come to our park. And that's when they came to the realization, we need a thrill ride. We need a roller coaster. And I love their description of what the thrill ride was all about, the roller coaster, because in their description they said the thrill was all about that first hill. Have you ever been on a roller coaster and you're going up that first hill? You feel it. You feel the fear creeping in and all of a sudden you start thinking, what have I done to myself? I'm going to die. And then the thrill of that is the fact that you have that fear and you go through the whole coaster and at the end you realize, I survived. I'm not dead. That's what makes the thrill ride so great. And I've begun to wonder that maybe, just maybe, that's what the thrill of hope is all about. Maybe that's what it means when we sing the thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices because the thrill of hope is the ability to look beyond my current circumstances and see the victory that is in the end. That is the thrill of hope. But so often, if you're like me, you get so focused on your circumstances that you struggle seeing the hope that is the end, that is the end result. And that's what we need to come over with because can we just be real? Can, Can we just have a moment of being honest with each other? Many of us are just tired. We're just tired. We're just so worn out with life. We're so worn out with our activities. We're so worn out with our job. We're so worn out with the broken relationships in our life. We're just tired and we're just so weary and we are struggling with despair. And the problem is then we get into the season and we're so broken we just can't see hope. We're more in despair. And you know what despair is? It is complete loss. It is the absence of hope. It is the inability to see hope anymore. And if we're being honest, there is an ongoing battle in our hearts against hope and despair. We all struggle with it. Let's be honest. Nobody is immune to this. Every one of us, if we're real, at some point has a battle in our own hearts between hope and despair. And I kind of equate it to being a sports fan. 
You know, just like being a sportsman, a sports fan, I am a sportsman, but being like a sports fan, I'm sure tonight at 8.30 when the Steelers kick off, if you came over to my living room, my wife will attest to this, you will see Bill in moments of, we're amazing. We're the most amazing team in the whole wide world. And three minutes later, you guys stink. What are you doing? You are the most awful team I've ever seen. Because that's what sports does to us. In those three and a half hours, we go from moments of high to moments of low. And I think that's sometimes what we struggle with in life. Yet these battles within us are so much deeper. There's so much more at stake. And it just seems like the highs, they're so high. And the lows, let's just be honest, they're so, they're so low. And we're living in our lows way too often. And it's just beating us down and beating us down. And so often we find ourselves on this emotional pendulum, just swinging back and forth, back and forth. And in seasons like this, it just seems like this pendulum gets stuck in the lows more often than the highs. And then we begin to wonder, is there really hope? Is it just a childhood dream? Is it just a Hallmark movie? ends in a couple hours? Is there really hope? And then before you can even figure out what's happening, you find yourself just burning out. Burning out emotionally. And this is where the battle leads. If the battle is not dealt with properly, it leads to emotional burnout. And I'm scared to think how many of you guys in this room right now can honestly be real with yourself. Say, Bill, I am emotionally just burned out. I don't know what to do anymore. The struggle is real. I'm not immune to it. I go through it too. It's, it's real because this is what happens. Emotional burnout, it just corrodes the soul. That's what happens. If you don't deal with it properly, emotional burnout just corrodes our soul to the point that we're just numb. We're just broken both emotionally and spiritually, and we don't even know how to get through life anymore. You know, in the Old Testament, there was this gentleman who had had a book written about him by the name of Job. And Job had it all. He was the richest of the rich. If he lived today, he'd be Bill Gates times 10. I mean, he was wealthy beyond wealthy. He had life in the fullest. Life was great. And in one moment, he lost it all. To give you a quick uh, sketch of the, of the story, Satan goes to God and asks God's permission to attack somebody that loves God, that follows God, to kind of prove that they don't really love you. And so God gave him permission to, to go after Job, but gave him some restrictions on what he was allowed to do and what he was not allowed to do. And so he goes and he, he goes after Job. And in a blink of an eye, Job lost everything. All of his cattle, all of his livestock, all of his wealth was gone. His children, gone. He began to get boils and these illnesses that were just so itchy he could not stand it anymore. And in a blink of an eye, here was a man who had, was on cloud nine in life to the lowest of lows and he was broken. And the whole story of Job is the battle within this man's own heart between hope and despair. In one of his lowest of low points, Job said this in Job 17, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? My friends, this 
is emotional burnout. Have you been there like Job? Whatever your circumstance may be, that you're so broken that you're just in that same position. Where is my hope? Can anybody see hope for me? That's what he's saying. Is there anybody out there in this whole world that could possibly ever see hope for me in my future? Because I don't see it. That's what Job is saying. Have you been there? Because life just simply has the ability to wear us down to the point to us wondering if victory is even possible. If it's all just a pipe dream. If hope can be a reality. And then you're left wondering why, what if, where, this is it. It's just the way it is. And that's a scary place to be. That is emotional burnout. Author and blogger Carrie Newhoff provides some signs of emotional burnout that I just want to highlight. They're not in your notes, but just hear them out and kind of identify, identify these within your own journey. Here are some signs of emotional burnout. First of all, you have a fading passion. Your passion and what you used to love is just no longer there. Secondly, you no longer feel the highs or lows. You're just numb. You're just numb to it all. Thirdly, you are quick to anger. Even the little things bring you to a boiling point. And you don't even know how it happened, but you just kind of jump off the rails so easily. Everybody seems to drain you. Before you enjoyed being around people, now you just want to push them all away. You become cynical. Nothing satisfies you. You can't think straight. Your productivity at work and life are dropping. Where you used to be able to be a productive person now, you just can't seem to get things done. Sometimes you find other things to ease your pain, and generally those things you find are not healthy things, but they lead to addictions that even take you down even more of a bad path. You don't laugh anymore. And maybe people even have commented how they don't see you laugh like you used to. And the last one is... Sleep and time off. They once refueled you, and now they don't. A weekend off just doesn't do it anymore. You need more than that. And if this list defines you, if there are several things on that list that you're like, check me, check me, check me, it's time for you to get help. It's time for you to stop doing it on your own. It's time for you to talk to somebody. Find a counselor. Come talk to me or Dale or Steve or, or Seth or Kenny or, or Abby or somebody here, someone you trust. Just come and talk to somebody. Stop doing it on your own. You have to overcome the emotional burnout because it will corrode your soul. It will destroy you. Because here's the clash behind all of this. Circumstances we face sometimes make it seem like hope is an unrealistic goal. So often I think this is our struggle. We feel like Job. We're just questioning, where is my hope? Because what happens is we become so focused and overwhelmed with our circumstances that we miss out on the reality that hope was born. And in this sense, we come to believe that what we are dealing with is the end result. That what we're dealing with is what it is. It's just the way it has to be. And that's why I just, I just have to pony up and deal with it. But that is not true. The conflict of circumstances and our, and our emotions just wear us down to a jaded view of hope. That's all it does. It destroys our view of what hope really is. So what is hope? Hope is this. It is an expectation 
and desire for certain things to happen. That is hope. It's expecting and to have a desire deep within you that something is going to happen. And ultimately, and biblically speaking, hope is having confidence that Jesus will come through. Despite your current circumstances, despite your brokenness, there is victory. There's victory. Do you believe that? The Apostle Paul wrote this while writing to the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul wrote, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the, until the day of Christ Jesus. Having confidence in the reality that his victory is coming. And what this brings to the surface that we need to be honest with ourselves is our expectations. What do you expect? What do you expect in your circumstances? What do you expect in your life? Because this is the crazy cycle that I think we all tend to be in. So often we find ourselves overwhelmed by our circumstances, whether it's personal issues, health, relationships, whether jobs, whatever it might be, or at large circumstances, we turn on the news and we just see the negativity going on around the world, or we log into Facebook and we see the negativity of all the people on Facebook, and all it does is tend to cause our expectations to be adjusted and has a tendency to refocus our hope to despair. And in our minds, our expectations turn into a false reality. You catch my drift? See, what happens is, here's the, here's the line of hope that God puts us on. But then what happens is, life tends to happen. And something happens in our, in our life, the circumstances we face, that kind of knocks us down a little bit. And before you know it, you got knocked down, and now you're riding another line. A false sense of reality of what hope is, because now you're jaded. Now you're more focused on your circumstances than the hope that God provides. And that's a struggle we all find ourselves in. And in our minds, our expectations becomes our reality, which just really is not true. This is the false sense of reality based upon the circumstances that you're dealing with. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Samuel. He was a pretty well-known prophet who was a part of some of the big things happening in the Old Testament when King David came along and all that stuff. But Samuel, before he came, he had a mama. And Samuel's mama had a story too. Her name was Hannah. And if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, you get a quick glimpse of, of Hannah. We only know her for a couple of chapters. But her story is powerful. You see, Hannah was the second wife of, of her husband. The other wife was Penina. Now, we can go around and we can have discussions about how in the Old Testament men had multiple wives and how that was really not what God ordained or God desired. And we see God's heart in that matter play out through the Old Testament and eventually in the New, New Testament when he really defines what marriage is all about. And we don't have time to get through all that. But just to, for the point of the story, Hannah and Penina were both sharing the same husband. Penina was able to have children. Hannah could not conceive. And you can imagine how this broke her. How she was so broken because of this reality, this circumstance in her life. And to make matters worse, because of the affection that the husband gave to Hannah, Penina was a little bit, of, a little bit jealous of Hannah. She didn't like Hannah. 
In fact, the Bible says on an annual basis, Penina would make fun of Hannah because of her inability to conceive. She would just poke at her, poke at her, make fun of her, and just beat her down. And Hannah was in such emotional distress. She was so upset with this. The Bible says that she couldn't even eat. Have you been there? Have you been so broken emotionally because of your circumstances and maybe the way that other people are treating you that you can't even function in life? You can't even eat anymore. Hannah was just broken. But then the Bible says that in her distress, in her brokenness, she went to the temple. The temple was where God's presence was to pray and just lay it all out. And I love this part of the story because this one time she was at the temple and she was so overwhelmed with her emotions and she was just on her knees praying to God in her heart. And the Bible says she was so in the moment of praying in her heart that her mouth was going. Do you ever, you ever, you ever be in that situation where you're just so, you got something going on in your mind and you're just going and going and going in your mind and your heart and you don't realize your lips are kind of going too? Do you ever have that happen? You know, that's what she was doing. She was just so focused on her prayer. And so in that moment, praying in her heart and her lips were going, that the prophet Eli walks into the temple. And I love this. He goes, what are you doing, drunk woman? Get out of the temple. Take your drunkenness home. And then she said, I'm not drunk. And she told him her story. And Eli listened to her story. And Eli gave her a blessing. And soon after that, Hannah conceived. Hannah had Samuel. She dedicated Samuel to the God, and he became a prophet, a great prophet of the Old Testament. And you know, there's something magical about that, something amazing about that, when God works in his presence. And in the second chapter of 1 Samuel, we see Hannah celebrate in her victory as she prays to God, and her victory over the torment that she faced. Here's part of her prayer. She said, The Lord has filled my heart with joy. I feel very strong in the Lord. I can laugh at my enemies. I am glad because you have helped me. There is no unholy like the Lord. There is no God but you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah found victory over her circumstances. And here's the lesson I think we can learn from her. Sometimes our circumstances create despair, but hope is found in the presence of God. Did you catch that? So often we are in despair because of our circumstances, and we're so broken because we are so focused on our circumstances. And what they do is they pull us into this false sense of reality that then we begin to have a jaded view of hope and the reality that despite our circumstances, there is victory. This seems so basic. It's found in the presence of God. Just go to his pr presence. It sounds so basic. It sounds easier said than down, done. And maybe even some of you says, Bill, this sounds so hokey. Just go to God and your troubles will go away. Yep, Bill, I've been there, done it, didn't work. I'm sure some of you are saying that right now. But just look at Hannah's story. See the victory in her life. Sometimes, yes, there are undesirable circumstances in our life that negatively impact our emotional and spiritual well-being. For Hannah, it was her inability to conceive. 
For some, it may be health issues. It may be a loss of your job. It may be family strife or relationship issues or something else. I think we can all relate to Hannah in the fact that there are some undesirable circumstances in our life that are just beating us down. And sometimes, like Hannah, there may be even people that surround us who beat us down as well. Job dealt with that as well in his story. That just negatively impact and tortures our soul too. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's the news that just beat us down. But notice, in her emotional distress, she prayed to God. She went to the temple. She went into his presence. And this was not just an overnight aha moment. This wasn't like, ah, yes, I'm in his presence and everything's great. This was years and years and years of battling this emotional struggle and going to the presence of God. And in his presence, God revealed his faithfulness to Hannah. And I believe in his presence, he reveals his faithfulness to you as well. Just gotta go to his presence. His presence provides hope. That's why Jesus came. That's why hope was born. You know, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character. And character produces hope. And this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. He gave us his love through the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to us. When we were unable to help ourselves at the right time, Christ died for us, although we were living against God. Notice something about that journey to hope. The circumstances that we are in, the, the troubles, as, as Paul writes about, those are the circumstances. Did you catch what they produce? They produce patience. And if you stick with God and you stick in his presence, what does the patience produce? Character. And if you continue to live in his presence, character produces hope. And Paul wrote, hope will never disappoint. You will never be disappointed with his hope. Because his victory is everlasting. It's everlasting. And although we were living against God making choices opposite of his heart, God still revealed his faithfulness to us by giving us hope through Jesus. That's why hope came. Because we need it. This world is a broken place. You know, in the birth story of Jesus, when you go back to the early parts of the gospel, one of my favorite parts of the whole birth story is the story about the wise men. And you can read about their story in Matthew chapter 2. And in their story, in this moment in time, everybody, this, the nation was, at, at, was in unrest. They were at a boiling point. They needed the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. Herod was king, and he was not a good king. He was more interested in his power and his gain than the people. And the people were feeling it. And in this moment, there was a star in the sky that the wise men saw, that they knew this is the star of the Messiah. And they were so overjoyed. They went to Jerusalem to tell him, we saw the star in the east. He's here. 
And King Herod, in all of his fear, went to his religious leaders. And he said, hey guys, so that prophecy about the Messiah, what city did they say he was going to be in? Bethlehem. Where's the star? Bethlehem. Oh, oh, stink. So he went back to the wise men. And Herod said, hey guys, hey, I know you're looking for the Messiah and you want to go worship him. That's awesome. I want to worship him too. So whenever you find him, come back and tell me where he's at so I can go worship him. But God knew what was going on in Herod's heart. He had no interest in worshiping this, this baby that was born. He was more fearful that this baby was going to wipe out his ability to be in power. That's what he cared about. But the wise men, all they wanted to do was to be in the presence of this baby. Why? Because this was the Messiah. Who was the Messiah? He was the hope being brought into this world. And they knew we are broken. This world needs it. I just want to be there in his presence. And they made a long journey. They risked their lives to go to be into his presence. Because they knew there was hope. They knew hope was there. And when our soul is not restful, we need to just go to the presence of Jesus. That's where hope is. Hope is not in your circumstances. Hope is not thinking that, okay, maybe tomorrow will just all go away. Hope is in Jesus who was born to bring hope and victory to this world. And know this, as we celebrate Christmas and the fact that hope was born, we know that hope is coming again. That's why we can celebrate because his birth just reflects the fact that Jesus is coming again and he is the victor. Your circumstances one day will be done. It's not your hope. Your hope is in Jesus and is in, in his presence. And so often we are weary, we are burdened, we are in despair because we have come to expect that the worst will happen because of the circumstances we face. And we just need to be more in his presence and less in our circumstances. And so often our circumstances are winning the battle of our mind. They're torturing our minds and our hearts and our souls because we think this is the way it is, but it's not. Victory is real. Because hope was born. Hope has come. And even the wise men who were dealing with a tough environment knew that despite their current circumstances, they needed to be in his presence. Hannah, she knew, despite my circumstances, despite how broken I am, I just need to be in his presence. Job, despite my circumstance, despite what I am going through, I just need to be in his presence. Because my circumstances, they're going to always disappoint me. But Jesus, he never does. Here's the truth. Jesus always shows up when we're just tired of life. He always shows up. To experience hope is to be in his presence. When you're broken, 
go to his presence. When you're overwhelmed because of your circumstances, go to his presence. Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is, not, is easy and my burden is light. My friends, what is winning the battle in your heart? Hope or despair? Are you emotionally burning out? You need to be real with that because your circumstances will wear you down, but there's hope in Jesus. Maybe you're struggling because you've, been hanging out, you've, been, you've not been hanging out in his presence. And maybe today you need to take that first step just to be in his presence. Hang out with him more and less in this world. Maybe you've never given your life over to him. Maybe you're really struggling because you've never truly experienced who he is. And the fact that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you have been made whole. If you've never experienced him, if you've never given your life over to him, I really hope that you come talk to one of us. Come meet me at the Next Steps or someone else at the Next Steps canopy. And we'd love to help you begin that journey of who Jesus is and the hope he wants to bring into your life. Or maybe, let's just be honest, you've, been, you've given your life to him and you've been following him, but you're struggling because maybe deep down you kind of feel like a fake. You feel like a fake because you come here and you worship him, but then you go out there and life just completely nails you and beats you down. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're a fake. It means you're facing the real battle. And you stop going it alone. And I hope if that's you, come talk to one of us. Stop doing this by yourself. Let's journey together into his presence. Because that is where hope is found. That's where hope is. So where are you at today? Where are you at in this battle? You see, hope is real. Hope has come. And I hope that you can see beyond your circumstances to the reality that victory is coming. Just go to his presence. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you. And Lord, I know that as we are in this room right now, I am certain there are several people that you are speaking to in this moment. Lord God, I know there are several people that are just really struggling because the fear of what does this mean for me? The fear of I am in that moment of emotional burnout. I just feel so lost and confused. I don't know like Job if, there, if hope is even possible for me. But Lord God, in that moment of brokenness, Lord, I just pray that they may take the step towards you. Lord, in this moment, I just pray that they may experience the hope that only you provide. That you have the victory beyond our circumstances. And Lord God, give us your strength. Give us your peace. peace. Give us your hope, Father. And Lord God, may we follow you like Job, like Hannah, and like the wise men. May we experience your victory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.